This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's path with an S. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm John T. And I'm Jackie P. Um, it's 2019 now. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the first time there's been a new year that I'm like, I'm pumped 2019. Yeah. Before, I've always been like, oh, it's just another, another year. year. And mostly they suck. But like, <laughs> um, exciting things happened in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for what's coming in 2019. Well, and I took one of those Facebook quiz- quizzes, and it says t- that my 2019 is going to be great. So Holy my hard cow. work is going to pay off. So Everybody out of Jackie's You way. know? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we, we kind of have a dual purpose in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some changes that have been happening um, around some of the work Jackie and I have been doing together. Mm-hmm. And we're going to discuss that process a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we also want to talk about what those changes are. Right. So I think to start out, um, just I, so back at the beginning of 2018, we launched One Layer Deeper, mm-hmm. which was a, a organization that was going to put on intensives for people in advanced recovery. Yeah, that um, need to go one layer deeper yeah, with the work. Yeah, so we, we did a dating and recovery intensive for women in June. Um, we set a very ambitious calendar for 2019. Uh-huh. Um, we've been looking at doing some family awards and stuff. Um so the, the big change there is at the end of last year, I realized I have some overcommitment and some overstretching to do, mm-hmm. or that I've been doing, mm-hmm. not to do. I need to do less of that. Um, so I have stepped away from One Layer Deeper, yeah, and I'm not part of that team anymore putting on those intensives. I still really believe in the work that's being done. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going we're gonna to discuss that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get there, we did want to talk about what One Layer Deeper is going to be doing. Yeah, and so and you can go to our uh, website to look at some things. We've got an event coming up in June um, out in Tennessee that will be a dating and recovery intensive. So if you're in that area or have wanted to go to that Nashville area, um, that will be on the onelayerdeeper.com website. But the next one that we have coming up is a family of origin t- intensive. Mm-hmm. And um, the dates for that are February 28th through March 2nd. So starting kind of a Thursday evening through Sunday afternoon, um, we'll be doing that in downtown Salt Lake. Um, So, you know, you don't have to rent a car. You can Mm -hmm. get a shuttle from the airport. Downtown Salt Lake has a lot of great food options, things to walk um, within walking distance. Um, And so if you're interested or have been doing family of origin work and think, I could do a layer deeper in a mm-hmm. group setting in, over an intensive weekend. Um, we'd love to hear from you, and we're excited about what that weekend work will look like. Yeah, and there was there was a myriad of reasons why it was really hard to step away from one layer deeper, and this family of origin intensive was one of them. Mm-hmm. We had begun planning that mm-hmm. at the end of 2018, and um, I think you're in for something that you haven't experienced somewhere else, mm-hmm. and an opportunity to look at family of origin issues in a way that um, isn't just reciting the family history and saying that sucked, so now I need to get over it. But right. there's really going to be some transformation happening. Right. Yeah. So that would be a very exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, I would say it's not a byproduct. It's it's what happened in that 
needing to make a change. Mm -hmm. So we're going to spend some time talking about knowing your limits, setting boundaries from a healthy place. Because we talk about, right, that good recovery, we live within our limits. Mm -hmm. And and so this is just a real life, we're going to get vulnerable and talk about um, a real life experience that we had where we are practicing what we preach. Yeah. You know, and boundaries, I think, is one of those buzzwords that I think often gets hijacked into something that only means something bad is happening. Right. And you have to change it. Right. And for years, I've been talking to clients about how what a boundary really is, is recognizing the parameters in which you are your relational best and Mm -hmm. you are your best. And good boundaries is a commitment not to operate too far outside of those parameters Mm -hmm. or outside of those parameters for too long. Right. Um, and that's something at the beginning of 2018 when we started One Layer Deeper. Um, Jackie, Amy, and I have all been involved in things starting up before. Mm-hmm. And um, we went in knowing that there's a lot of time, there's a lot of mm-hmm. energy, there's a lot of money that goes into that. And um, there's always hopes at the beginning of how things progress and how things change. But things usually don't grow the way that we intend them to. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's part of the deal of starting things up is often that initial, I'm going to stretch for this period of time. Um, that period of time can be really variable. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I started to notice at the end of 2018 is commitments that I had outside of One Layer Deeper that I would say were even higher on that priority list, like commitments to my family, mm-hmm. commitments to my coworkers here at Healing Paths. Um, I was noticing and I was getting feedback that things were slipping Mm. Um, and some some really critical things um, were slipping. Like, for example, um, I was hearing from my kids way too often. I don't see you enough Mm. or um, when you're here, you always have work to do. And um, that was a red flag for me. Mm Because I actually feel in 2018 that I had made a lot of progress on that. That work wasn't following me home too much. Um, And then I started getting feedback that it was. Mm. And um, I really had some competing commitments and even, I would say, competing passions. Uh Um, I love the work that I do professionally. I love the time that I spend with my family. And I was noticing that the competition was getting too fierce. Mm. And um, people were starting to feel like losers. Okay. And... um, that's something that wasn't sitting well for me. And as I looked at the ambitious schedule that uh, we have in one layer, or we had in one layer deeper going forward in in 2019, I was realizing there's going to be some commitments that I have to shift or that I have to break in order to fulfill that. Um, And so taking some of that feedback from coworkers and families, I started looking for places in my life where I could, where I needed to pull back into where I knew that I was functional mm-hmm. and where I knew that there was stability mm-hmm. and solidity. Um, that's one of the things that I think recovery has taught me is that um, unless you have a really specific reason to stretch, living in constant stretching isn't good. Right. Um, and so that's that's one of the things that I identified. Um, you know, I have a lot of confidence in Jackie and Amy. And mm-hmm. so there's a piece of me that was like, they will be just fine. Mm-hmm. There's other pieces where I look at my family and they would not be just fine mm. if I pulled back. Or even my clients that I work with at, at Healing Pass one-on-one, they wouldn't be just fine if I said, you don't have a therapist anymore because mm-hmm. I have to commit this time here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's that was kind of the last month or two of my 2018 is uh-huh. really looking at what had been happening and what was going on and what needed to change. Right. 
And so to t- kind of talk about the receiving end of that boundary, right, because that's something Amy and I weren't necessarily aware of until the second month of that. Like mm-hmm. you may, it sounds like you were kind of mulling that over in November. We weren't aware mm-hmm. of that until December um, where you had to say like, here's some things going on in my life and I don't know that I can continue the commitments that I've made into 2019. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying with boundaries, right? Sometimes we think that boundaries are something we have to do with toxic people mm-hmm. when we're trying to get healthy. Mm-hmm. And the good news slash bad news is boundaries follow us even into health. Yeah, and and I would even say I think it's a, I think it's a more solid principle to say boundaries are about me and how I'm doing mm-hmm. than they are about keeping toxic people yeah. at bay. And and so you know one of the things that sometimes people might be surprised about is even when I'm healthy and I'm interacting with healthy people I'm still going to have to set boundaries mm-hmm. because it's a way of me saying here's where I am and here's what I can and can't do mm-hmm. now hopefully right if you're setting boundaries with healthy people um, their response to the boundary setting is different than maybe when you're setting it with more toxic people mm-hmm. um, and so to you receive that you know obviously I was disappointed because you and I work well together mm-hmm. and I enjoy working with you. And, and while, yes, Amy and I will be fine, there's a piece that you bring and a strength that you bring that we don't. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't be there, mm-hmm. right? And that doesn't mean that one layer deeper isn't going to be robust and good. It mm-hmm. just means, oh, it'll be different. Well, John won't be here mm-hmm. and all that you bring and contribute. Um, and, and so, yeah, we're disappointed, right? But in being disappointed, we don't have to try to guilt you mm-hmm. or to try to manipulate you to do what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. And there's always this piece for me, like when I'm setting boundaries with healthy people in healthy ways, there's always this piece of me that's like, we finish the conversation then and it's like, okay, that conversation's not done because nobody freaked out. Right. Nobody's angry. <laughs> like there's going to be some passive aggressive stuff that comes after this. And I always have to check and remind myself like, okay, here's, here's who I'm interacting with. Right. And here's what I know about them. But I I think that's one of the reasons And I was was telling Jackie before we hit record. um, I think fear is always a part of setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and we can be overcome by the fear and have that run things and not set the boundary or we can employ courage, which is action, knowing that there's fear and knowing that there's risk. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was it was scary for me to talk to you and Amy um, to put it because we were we were going to take a step further in solidifying this right. and registering with the state and things and we had even gone through the paperwork in the meeting before and we were going to sign things the next meeting. It was getting real. Yeah, and I had to say, this is the time for me to have this conversation before right. we sign anything. Let's talk, and um, that was scary for me. Even the time in between being able to say we need to have this conversation, but it. It can't happen now. Mm-hmm. It needs to happen when we have some more time. Um, that was a scary few days in between. Um, wondering, like, where is this going to go and how are they going to uh-huh. receive it? And I had to keep reminding myself what the history of the relationships with you and Amy are. Right. Um, and I think that gave me enough courage to be really direct about uh-huh. what I was needing and really honest about that. Right. Well, and, and that's one of the things, too, right, that I would say, like, I mean, you... You knew what your um, intention was, mm-hmm. and you were v- you were very clear about that. And then you could be clear with us about that, right? Because if you hadn't been, like, if you were like, "I'm feeling like I don't really contrib- contribute that much," mm-hmm. and so I'm going to pull out, and I'm going to say it's a timing thing, but I hope that they pursue me and chase me and ask me to stay, mm-hmm. you would have been disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
we when you tell us that this is an overextension and that you can't keep doing this without some prices that you're not willing to pay, mm-hmm. we believe you, mm-hmm. right? So we take you at your word and say, okay, this is a no, mm-hmm. and we accept that. Yeah, and I, if you had expected us to chase after you, mm-hmm. then that would have been really confusing because then you would think that we didn't like you, which isn't mm-hmm. what where we were coming from at all. Yeah, yeah, which is, again, I think that's part of that setting boundaries from a healthy place is, um, first of all, recognizing that your no means no. Uh-huh. And I was realizing that what I was coming to the table with, this wasn't a let's negotiate this. Uh-huh. It was a, and I, I did say in the beginning, I think with the momentum that we have, I don't think I can keep up. Uh I know the pace that I can keep up with. I don't feel like it's fair for me to ask you Mm -hmm. and Amy to match my pace. um, Especially when I think there's, I think there's a capability for more than I'm able to do right now. Uh Um, And so I wasn't really coming to the table with, let's negotiate this. I was coming to the table with, this is a no. And I knew that like, once I said that, there wasn't, there wasn't going to be, waffling back and right. forth on there that. wasn't a whole lot more to discuss right right yeah and that's that's again i think one of those things that's really scary um i hope this is across the board for people or otherwise i feel really small but i think it's always scary to give a no yeah and um because no's not i don't think no is something people like to hear right and you know that when you when when you have a no and you've got to let them know that mm-hmm. Most often, you know, you're going to be telling them something they don't want to hear. Well, and so there's a piece of that where, like, that month of November for me was really this, like, I have to make sure that this is what I'm seeing and I have to make sure that this is what I'm feeling. Because mm-hmm. um, I know, like, we've had times in staff meetings where there's been, like, some crisis brewing with clients. And I've, I've talked to you about this as it happens. Like, my initial response that comes out can be kind of fear-based uh-huh. or panic-based. Uh-huh. And I'll have to circle back and say, okay, that's my fear talking. Like, right. Let's get let's get some perspective around this. So I spent that month of November looking at, okay, what are my, what are my fears that are talking here? Uh-huh. What's my shame that's saying you're not enough and you can't keep up? And um, I really wanted it to be about that. Yeah. I really wanted it to be like this lack of confidence that I had. But as I went through through that month evaluating things, I was like, no, this is a... This is a resource issue. Uh-huh. There's not the time. There's not the bandwidth. Um, there's not the emotional energy to put into this what needs to be put into it on my part. Yeah. And um, I think that's hard, too, when the no is not, like, a soft no within us. Like, mm-hmm. maybe this is just my issue and somebody can talk me out of it. But when it's, I know this clearly. Yeah. Or, right, when it's it's not just an emotional no. Yeah. Right? Because emotions they build and then they subside and and so that no if it's all based in emotion can change mm-hmm. right and, and that depends on the moment and I know on the receiving end of that um, when you had kind of said like hey I might need to change directions let's you know you, you let us know and then we had about a week mm-hmm. um, to think about it before we were going to talk again it was a little less than a week um, for me a lot of the emotion that started to come up is how big does this go? Yeah. Right? John's saying no to this. And is he going to say no to that? Is he going to say no to this? And mm-hmm. right, where does this go? And then my fear starts like mm-hmm. going crazy. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what do I need to prepare for? And mm-hmm. like, all of that. Like, is John leaving everything? Yeah. Well, right? that's, I think that's something that's important. And we've, we've been having conversations since the beginning of December 
Um, and we need to continue to have those mm-hmm. because honestly, like when this kind of rearrangement starts in our life, I don't know that we can say this is exactly where it stops mm-hmm. because it's that I think of what Carver says in recovery that it's one surrender after another. Right. And we make the surrender and then we see what life looks like from there. Um, and I think the truth is when we get to looking at, or at least for me, when I get to looking at how I'm functioning uh-huh. and how I'm doing, that often comes in waves. And I often don't know what the total wave is. Right. Um, but that's, again, part of this like healthy boundary setting with healthy people is we can talk about what's unfolding. Right. And we can talk about what is shifting. Uh-huh. And we can circle back and get the updates. I was really, really glad that you and Amy had recommended this episode. Mm, Yeah. Um, Not just because I think it'll be great content, but like this is a conversation that we need to have. Right. Um, And we need to be able to keep having these. Like what is this? Well, And and that's one of the things that I realized, right. As my fear got activated was, okay, stay present. We're Mm -hmm. talking about this. Mm -hmm. And if something else comes, then it comes. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to kind of awfulize or go to worst case scenario mm-hmm. and operate from that place because A, that can make things more difficult right now anyway, mm-hmm. right? I could make something happen or start a chain reaction that I really didn't want or intend for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to kind of stay present and, you know, we'll we'll ride this one out and we'll mm-hmm. have some closure with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where it is that you were saying ongoing conversation and ongoing communication about where things are at and how are we feeling and what's working and what's not and all of those things can come still when we're being present and taking the Mm -hmm. issue at hand and I I look back in my past and um, there's no way of knowing like what could have been different but I'm confident that there are some relationships that change that maybe didn't have to to the degree that they did Mm because I would get caught up in that panic of what it means to say no or receive a no now. Uh-huh. And instead of like taking it one thing at a time and being in the present moment and checking in often, I would run to, okay, here's the solution and here's what's going to happen. And then... Um, which is a way of controlling it, mm-hmm. right? Which control mm-hmm. is a is a temporary feeling of... I'm in charge mm-hmm. or I I can control this, right? Mm-hmm. It makes us feel good temporarily. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, you know, what I was saying a little earlier about the, um, there's still uncertainty around where does this go mm-hmm. in the future? This is one of the first times I think that um, to you I've said, I said yes a year ago, but I need to say no now. Mm-hmm. Um and I think my life is really different than when I started working here, and it was a lot of yeses. Right. And um, that's that's a change that I have to adjust to. Yeah. Like I I think that comes with that comes with the territory of I think kind of building the life that you want to have is um, you can't just say yes and accumulate stuff. Right. It's it's like your your house. Like you can you can go furniture shopping. And you can find something that you love, but if you're only finding what you love and accumulating that, you make this place that's inhabitable. Right. You you have to look at what's coming in and what needs to go out with that. And so, like, there's that, um, and I forget where I was going with this, um, but there's that, like, um, I forgot what you, I was Well, you started this. out talking about, like, looking at other relationships and that mm. maybe... Yeah. Things were more of a no than they needed to be, mm-hmm. or 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had anything else to say on that. Yeah, and I, I think, again, some of that is is inviting somebody to be along in that process, like uh-huh. being able to say, like, hey, things need to shift for me, and um, it's not like this. And I, I think we want to think when we're when we're healthy and setting boundaries, we have it all figured out, and we just present to people, here's the new plan, and this is, this is all that's going right. to happen. But um, I think we're really neglecting the fact that as human beings, we're growing all the time. Mm-hmm. Things are changing all the time. I think it's something like every 40 days you have a completely new body because there's that kind of cellular turnover. Yeah. Um, so, like, the, on the cellular atomic level, that's happening all of the time. Yeah. Some us. areas are longer than 40 days, but... Yeah. But, yeah. yes, we're always... Our whole body, I think it's, like, within two years, Is it the whole long? body has regenerated. Is it that yeah. long? Yeah. 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 But some things are monthly, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's... It's that constant changing process that to be under the impression that I set this boundary now and that's all that's going to be needed and now you can count on that. Um, I think that's really overlooking the reality right. of how change happens. So to say, like I, I said yes in 2018, but I had to say no at the beginning of 2019, mm-hmm. right? You didn't know that at 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us knew that, right? Yeah. And, and And so, yeah, to have those conversations, I mean, they have to be present based right Mm -hmm. this is what's happening now Mm -hmm. and your no at the end of 2018 didn't mean that you really didn't mean yes at 20 Mm -hmm. the beginning of 2018 and this is this is one of the things that i was going to say before too is that if the nature of one relationship changes that doesn't necessarily mean that the nature of the other relationships has to change too right and you and i have been talking a lot in the last month about our friendship Uh like we have a professional relationship we also have a friendship and we have some some other qualities to that relationship that aren't just about the work that we do together. Right. Um, and I think that's another part of navigating boundaries in healthy relationships yeah. is recognizing those relationships are probably multifaceted. Right. And if we get into this all or nothing thinking, I think that's again where some of that panic can come from. Uh-huh. And um, you know, in November that was one of the considerations that I was I was thinking of. I was like, well what's gonna happen with the friendship with Jackie and Amy if I say no to this? Uh-huh. And that was one of the things that I think paralyzed me for a little bit is that, well, if it's going to alter the friendship, I don't know that I want, like, I'll suck it up. Mm. I'll, I'll do whatever. Um, and I had to look at the context of the other relationships that were being affected, too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's I think that's part of the healthy boundaries is um, we, we've both been doing the smart recovery training. And they talk right. about the hierarchy of values. Mm-hmm. And I think the truth is our relationships, there's a hierarchy to that, too. Right. Um, and it doesn't mean that, you know, we, we may like people less or they're less important, but there's always relationships that are going to come first. Right. Um, and that should. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that's like how I am a father and how I'm there as a partner. That is, I would say the most important thing mm-hmm. in the world to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, and, and the reality is, um, I'm, my family is at a different stage of life than your family mm-hmm. is. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, your kids need you in ways that, like my kids are moving mm-hmm. out, right? And mm-hmm. and they're moving into adulthood and mm-hmm. they still need me, but that need looks differently than yeah. your kids who are young and still have mm-hmm. a lot of time at home and, and really rely on those parental relationships. You know, it's, it's surprising to me. I think this is a little bit of a side note, but it's surprising to me that my almost nine-year-old, still when we sit on a couch, he snuggles right in. Mm. And I remember um, it was probably around 9 or 10 that I was like, I don't want this anymore. 
Uh. my dad so there's this piece of me that's like not i have to soak all this up while it's here but it's like this is valuable Uh what's happening here yeah and i need to create as much space for that to happen as possible yeah um and It, it surprises me still too with my adult or almost adult children um I had really outgrown my need for parents at that Mm -hmm. age and maybe even younger. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I still needed them in certain ways because, you know, I was a minor. Someone's got to pay the bills. Right. right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it it always surprises me that my kids didn't follow my trajectory. And then I have to remind myself, Oh, that's a good thing. Thank goodness. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I loved when I was growing up, I loved when nobody was home and Mm -hmm. I had the house to myself and I knew that and nobody would be there. We also had a small house, um, and, and eight people living there. So that, Mm -hmm. you know, it didn't, I get that, but it surprised me when my kids were like, I hate it when no one's home. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, what? Why? Why? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm giving you a gift. And they're like, no, no, I don't like that. And I was like, oh, okay. I have to adjust to that because what I felt at those ages were based on the context in which Mm -hmm. my family was. And that's not what my kids are expecting. And, you know, there was, there was another part of this decision as you're talking about like what home feels like, um, I'm I'm gonna be completely transparent here. The main reason why I work is to provide a lifestyle for my family. Um, if I didn't have to work to do that, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather have the time with them. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that my almost nine-year-old will say a lot is, "We never spend time at home." Now, when he's like bored, he's like, "This is the worst place <laughs> to be, and I never want to be here." But a lot of the time, he's like, "I'm not spending enough time at home." And I look at, like, where I've grown professionally and what I'm able to do, and it it does translate into, uh-huh. like, my home has progressively gotten to be a better and better place to be, not just aesthetically, but the feeling there. Like, it's calmer, uh-huh. and it's, it's more peaceful, and it's much more attractive to me um, to be there. And I've had his little voice in my head for probably six months thinking, like, yeah, I've been working for this, and it's here now. Am I going to let myself enjoy that? Just keep working? or Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that's part of the, like, the overstretched tendency that I can have uh-huh. is this, I'm still working on that scarcity mentality and um, recognizing that sustainable growth happens more slowly than quickly. Yeah. Um, and um, that growth isn't just about what's happening professionally. A lot of that growth is what's happening at home and... Um, you know, I, I think of a garden. Um, I grow a garden because I like the vegetables or I like how the flowers look. Uh-huh. And what good is it doing me if I let the vegetables rot on the vine or if I never stop and enjoy what's going on yeah. in what I've created? So just a funny side story, right? So my mom, um, after every, all the kids had moved out of the house, right, she had this spot in her backyard and she um, planted a garden there. Mm-hmm. And my sister didn't have a garden in her house, right, uh, in her yard. And and she, we were at my mom's once, and she was like, like tomatoes were ripe or something like that, right? And my sister was like, oh, can I have some of those? And my mom was like, oh, take all you want. I get nothing out of the garden. And we all were like, wait, like, I mean, and her garden wasn't really tended to real well, right? right. So not surprising, but we're like, why do you plant a garden yeah. if you don't eat any of the stuff out of it? And mm-hmm. she was like, well, I figure I can either plant vegetables or weeds. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I just plant vegetables, but I don't eat any of them. <laughs> um, just a little snapshot into the psychology so, of the family I grew so up funny. in, right? That is so funny. <laughs> and so we, I mean, we laugh about that um, because that is my mom. Mm -hmm. um, and we do it different, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't have a garden in my current house, um, but I've had gardens in the past. And my sister now has a garden, right? And we actually eat. Mm -hmm. We benefit from what the labor we put into it. We tend to those things. Um, and, and the outcome is different, right? And mm -hmm. I look at that, like my parenting and my relationship with my partner um, would be similar to how I tend to my yard or my yeah. garden, right? And I yield things that I really enjoy yeah. from that. And I think there's a real shift on boundary there. Like, um, I remember I remember my, my dad always planting a garden and it wasn't tended to particularly well. And I don't ever remember like significant harvests from there, but it was kind of this like, his parents were Depression era, and they mm. always had a big garden because that's part of how they fed their family of nine kids. Mm -hmm. And I think my dad carried on that mentality. I know it wasn't something that he particularly enjoyed, uh, but it was just like, we've, we've got to have a garden. We have to have a garden in case we're starving. And so, yeah, so, so boundaries can be this real edge focus, like what's going to happen. Uh -huh. And I think part of what this is teaching me is that boundaries are also pres about preserving what's in the middle. Yeah. Um, and, and protecting what's important to us. And it's not necessarily protection from invasion yeah. or protection from something else. It may just be like, you know, the, the boundary with your yard. What's what's mine to take uh -huh. care of and what's up to somebody else. Right. And um, if we're constantly watching the edge and the boundary, we're never taking care of what's inside there. We're yeah. never enjoying it. Right. Well, similar. I mean, we talk with clients all the time. and We have a lot of mountains and mountain roads here in Utah. And we'll say, like, you know where the boundary is when you're driving your car up a mountain road. Mm -hmm. um, but you tend to not drive right at the edge of that. Right. And that's usually how it is with boundaries. We don't live right at the edge. Mm -hmm. Right? We set that boundary and then we move more into the middle mm -hmm. where there's more safety or pleasure or comfort or... And there's actual margins right. there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think margins, that's something I'm, I'm coming to appreciate a lot more is how margins make me feel. Uh-huh. Um, time margins, money margins, relational margins. Um, it's a very different life that I'm living now than I was living eight years ago uh -huh. when it was all about, like, I'm out of school, there's no margins, like, it's all about go, go, go. Mm. And I think it takes some work to accept not just the importance of margins, but the fact that they exist and to let them exist Yeah, and let yeah. them serve you. Yeah. Okay. Anything else we have to say about this? No, I don't. I, I, I'll just say like I, I really love the work that One Layer Deeper is doing, and I would highly recommend you check out the Family of Origin intensive. Yeah. And, um, it yeah. is going to be fun. Yeah. Fun in a therapist kind of way. Yeah, the the way that we think <laughs> is fun. It'll probably be hard work for you. Yes, but therapists think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> We're sick, sick people. <laughs> So we'll remind you at the end of this episode that your story matters. Remember, there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress.
Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to, re to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.